0: When I was growing up, I had a best friend whose name was Brad. Did you have a best friend growing up? And if so, do you remember how that relationship developed, or kind of what brought you together? For Brad and me, it was our moms. They encouraged the relationship. Um, we had a lot of common interests, but I remember um, many times on Sunday after church, his mom would invite me over, and we would eat, you know, did lunch at their. House and then Brad and I would spend the afternoon playing. And, uh, you know, we'd go outdoors, and we would always get so dirty, filthy, that when we would come back in, I can still remember hearing his mom say, how do you get so dirty? Not in a you're in trouble kind of way, but just kind of in a boys will be boys kind of way. Um, Brad and I liked to swim, and so for many, many years, we had season passes at what was called Donner Pool, at the time, and literally throughout the summer we would go six days a week, probably for about three hours in the afternoon. But those three hours seemed like 15 minutes to us because we had so much fun. We were busy the whole time, swimming, diving for coins, you know, going off the diving board and seeing if we could splice the lifeguard. Because see, if you splice the lifeguard, that mean, meant you had to sit out for about 10 minutes. And there was always this place that was kind of the place of honor, that if somebody was sitting there, you're, you're like, oh, how cool is that? You know, they spliced the lifeguard, that sort of thing. And, you know, as we um, got older and I went off to college and all, um, we, didn't, we didn't stay as close, but we still stayed in touch, and we even ended up being best men in each other's wedding God wants to have a close relationship with you God wants to get to know you he wants to hang out with you he wants to talk with you he wants to spend time with you he wants to be your friend now when I say to you God wants to be your friend what are you thinking Some of you may be thinking, there is no way. Other of you may be thinking, I don't know that I've ever heard that about God before. So understand this. Your view of God determines the kind of relationship you have with him. Let me repeat that. Your view of God determines the kind of relationship you have with him. Suppose you know two people and you go out to dinner with them on separate occasions. The first person is very warm and friendly and fun to be with and they have a great sense of humor and it's easy to talk with them and they ask you questions about your life and you talk openly and you have common interests and you're together for dinner for three hours but it seems like 15 minutes and when you leave you're excited and say, wow, I want to do that again. That was so much fun and you're you know, excited about getting together with them again. The other person, on the other hand, is cold and distant. And when you get together with them, they're very negative and critical. They're critical of others. They're critical of you. And they really aren't interested in what's going on in your life. You don't share very many common interests. In fact, throughout the evening, all they do is talk about themselves the whole time. And when you leave that dinner engagement, you're thinking, I hope I never have to get together with them again. You're just drained. Very diminishing for you to do that. Unfortunately, a lot of people perceive their relationship with God very similarly to the way I described that second person. And you know, people have misconceptions of God, maybe like we saw in this drama sketch earlier. So it's no wonder people don't have close relationships with God, right? I mean, if you have any misconceptions like we saw in that drama that God is out to get you all the time or that he's just there to fix everything. He's like a handyman or mechanic in your life. <laughs> or, or you're thinking he's just very loving and like an old grandpa, but he really doesn't have a clue for what's, go, you know, what's going on in my life and he doesn't have the power to change anything in my life. If you have one of those misconceptions, you're going to struggle to have a close relationship with God. And our view of God can come from assumptions we've made from past experiences, maybe even things we've heard talked about in sermons. My hope and prayer today is that you will leave here not only having a different view of God, but understanding that you can have a close relationship with God, that God wants to be a friend to you. Dare I even say God wants to be your best friend? So let this truth sink in. God wants to be your friend. We read this in the Bible. Jesus said this. This is in John 15, 15. He said this to his followers. He said, Now you are my friends. That was said to the people who follow him. And then he goes, Since I have told you everything the Father told me. Now, to read that, or to hear me say that, may be somewhat surprising to you. You're saying, really? God wants to have a friendship with me? Yeah, really, he really does. Now, now think about it. what do friends do? Especially to get to know each other better, to, to have a closer relationship. Well, they hang out together, they spend time together, they do things together, they talk to each other and get to know each other that way, and so on, right? Listen to what Jesus said. These are Jesus' words again in Revelation 3.20. He said this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus wants to be our friend and he described it in a way where we get together and have a meal together where we do dinner together. You know, think about it. If you have a friend, that's one thing you do. You say, hey, let's go out to lunch or get together, let's have dinner together. And over that meal, you sit and you talk and you enjoy each other's company and you get to know each other better. That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to have that kind of relationship with you. So I want to talk to you this morning about how you can have a closer relationship with God. The Bible is the primary way God communicates with us. You could even say it's his love letter to us. So it makes sense that every follower of Jesus will want to make it a regular practice to read the Bible. Now, now some people might say, "You know, I really don't feel close to God. I really don't feel like I know him." That's perhaps because they're not taking intentional steps in their life to cultivate their relationship with him, like reading the Bible. I tell people that Bill Hybels is my mentor. He's the pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. He's now in his mid to late 60s. Almost 30 years ago, I went to a church leadership conference at Willow Creek where he taught. And it turned my world upside down because I saw what church could be. I saw what it's like to be a church that tries to connect with people who don't go to church. And Bill Hybels is also a great leader. So I spent the better part of my years as a pastor with Bill Hybels as my mentor. Now he doesn't, well I've never met him face to face. But I've read every book he's written. I've listened to. To many of his sermons, I listen to his monthly leadership podcast. I go to conferences when he speaks. I even know the names of his kids, Shauna and Todd. I know his wife's name, Lynn. I know about some of his past struggles in marriage. I know that he has two grandsons that he absolutely worships. I know that his passion in life is sailing. I know that he's from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and that he has a cottage in South Haven, Michigan, which is on the coast of Lake Michigan. And I know that sounds a bit creepy, but... uh, (laughs) But you get the idea, it's not stalking, it's mentoring, all right? And I feel like I know him personally, even though I've never shaken his hand. The Bible affords you the opportunity to get to know God personally too. Now obviously, you hear about God when you go to church, but to get to know God really well, there's so much more that you can do. You know people here at church, some people here at church by name. You talk to them. Some people you see them, you know, because they come every Sunday. Maybe you've gotten to know them a little bit. So you talk to them. And, you know, that's my relationship with many of you, too. We really don't know each other that well. But there are six couples in my small group. We call it a life group. We meet on Sunday evenings a couple times a month. And I know them much better. I know their names. We talk about life. We pray together. We celebrate together. Um, One of our group just got her nursing degree, and we were excited for her. We talk about our families. We know each other's kids' names. I've been to their houses. They've been to mine. I know some of their struggles. I have some dirt on them, too, you know, like some of the worst things they did when they were in high school or college, because I always try to ask discussion questions that bring that kind of stuff out, you know. I might even be able to get some of them arrested if I shared that stuff with you. I know I'm at a completely different level. I probably made some of them nervous right now. Um, I know them at a completely different level than I know many of you. And that's the difference between having someone teach you the Bible versus reading the Bible on your own. You get to know God so much better if you read it on your own. You feel like you're interacting with Him on a personal level level. And so I would encourage you to have a daily habit of reading the Bible. The perfect place to start is with the Ridge Reading Challenge. We just started it as a church. It's not too late at all to start. We've just been doing it for two weeks. We've just read the first 10 chapters of a book or the Gospel of Luke in the Bible. We start week three tomorrow with Luke chapter 11 And what we're doing, we're just reading five chapters each week, one chapter, Monday through Friday. We don't do any reading on the weekend. That way it gives you a chance to get caught up. So if you say, wow, I'm two weeks behind, no problem. You can easily get caught up. And do you need more information about the Ridge Reading Challenge? You know, check out your bulletin. If you get our e-news every Tuesday, which I encourage you to do. That's how you can find out. Go to our Facebook page. It tells you about it. It tells you how to sign up. You can get the schedule, all that kind of thing. So the first place to start in growing closer to God is by reading the Bible. Find a consistent time and place that you can do that. Tell someone that you're going to take the Ridge Reading Challenge this year for encouragement, for accountability. Okay, let's do this. But like any relationship you have with a person it's it's equally important that not only that you hear from them, but you talk in that relationship too. And it's equally important that we talk with God as well, right? That's what happens in healthy relationships. So prayer is simply talking to God. And, you know, we don't have to make more of it than it is. You don't have to use fancy language. You don't have to have your act together to pray, It's just like sitting at the dinner table and talking to your spouse or a friend. Now, now prayer can seem pretty intimidating to some, but it doesn't have to be. It's just talking to another person. It just happens to be God. Sometimes we struggle with knowing how to pray. Or, Or sometimes our prayers just become, God, give me this, help me with this, fix this, and take away this problem in my life. So what I want to do is give you an acronym. We're just going to call it PRAY, P-R-A-Y, because I think that'll help us. It'll help us remember four things we can pray. It'll help provide balance and focus as we pray. The P will stand for praise. Start your prayers by telling God what you appreciate about him. Thank him for who he is and what he has done. This sets the right tone for praying. God deserves that. You know, there are many examples of prayers in the Bible that praise God. The book of Psalms is full of them. For example, here's one. We read this in Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. Start by telling God what you appreciate about Him. Tell him why you love him, why he is great, what you're thankful for. So there's the P. Next step, we'll use the R, and we'll call that repent. Now that may sound like an intimidating word, but the word repent really literally just means to turn from something. The original word was actually a military term. It was like as if you were walking along one direction, and you do an about face. You turn and go the exact opposite. Opposite direction, that's literally what the word repent means. And, you know, we all sin. We all do things that are displeasing or disappointing to God. And in any relationship, to keep that relationship healthy, if we do something that's displeasing or disappointing, we have to make that right. And when we sin, it breaks the closeness of our relationship with God. Repenting restores that relationship. And actually, it's also therapeutic for us. Now, God's amazing process is that He'll forgive us when we come to Him and confess or repent. Listen to the words of 1 John one 1.9 in the Bible. It says this, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Amazing promise, isn't it? So make repenting or confessing of the process. So there's the P and there's the R. The A stands for ask. Now this is many times what most of us consider to be our prayers. Or This is where we spend the majority if not all of our time. We say something like this, God I want this, I need this, fix this and change that. Get me out of this situation. Now there's nothing wrong with asking God Just understand that prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is about developing a relationship, a close relationship with someone, with God. Can you imagine a relationship where one person, where all one person ever did was to say to the other person, I need you to do this for me. I need you to fix this problem. I need you to change these circumstances. That relationship wouldn't last very long, would it? And God isn't just our maintenance man or our handyman taking orders from us to fix what we think is wrong in our lives. Prayer is about developing a close relationship with God, just like you would with a friend. And and again, that's why I think this acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y, is so important because it keeps our prayers in balance and proper perspective. Now, having said that, God does want us to come to him with our request. The Bible clearly tells us to do this. One of my go-to verses in the Bible is Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Well, then there's one more letter, the Y, P-R-A and the Y. The Y stands for yield. End your prayers with something like this. It's kind of a surrender, in other words. Say something like this, God, I want your will for my life. I'm not using my prayers to try to manipulate you into getting what I want. Rather than change my circumstances, if you want me to learn from what I'm going through, I'm okay with that. My life is yours. You control it, not me. I want to live the next 24 hours like you want me to live them. So I completely surrender my life to you. That's what it means to yield. I'm amazed how that changes my day or my perspective or my attitude. If I will end my prayers by yielding my will, the gods you know that's the way Jesus prayed here's his prayer in Luke twenty two forty two, and this is right before he was going to go to the cross to die for us here's what he said father if you are willing please take this cup of suffering away from me but then he adds yet I want your will to be done not mine Honestly, if you've never done this where you've spent, say, time reading the Bible and praying for 10 to 15 minutes out of your day, I would encourage you to do this. And and by the way, that's all the time you need if you're going to do the Ridge Reading Challenge because you can read those chapters from the Bible probably in 5 to 10 minutes. Um, Find a time that works for you. Maybe it's first thing in the morning. Maybe it's your lunch hour. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe it's on a break at work. Maybe it's right before you go to bed. I have a friend who intentionally goes to work 15 minutes early every day, and then he parks his car in the parking lot and does this. And he tells me it gives him such a much better perspective at work that day. And by the way, if you have time, you may even want to schedule in say an extra three minutes just to be quiet and reflect on what you've read in the Bible or what you've prayed about and in those three minutes God can calm your soul he can put thoughts in your heads which you can use throughout the day it will help reinforce what you've been reading that could also be a time to yield or surrender that last step we mentioned Jesus did this regularly for example, here's what we read in Luke 5:16. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Honestly, 10 to 15 minutes with God each day can be life-changing. So what are the benefits of developing a closer relationship with God through reading the Bible, through praying, maybe spending a few minutes with stillness before God? Let me give you a few, okay? Here's one, friendship. You'll realize you're never alone. You have someone who loves you, who values you, who cares about you, someone to talk to you, someone who wants to talk with you, someone you can talk with, someone to spend time with. Here's another benefit, it's peace, Talking to God gives you peace. Remember, we just saw that in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. When we we are able to give control of our lives to Him and let Him guide us, that relieves anxiety and worry. Another benefit is purpose. Now you have a close relationship with God. You can live your life for Him. Life has a higher meaning, a bigger picture. It gives you an eternal perspective. Another one is joy. He gives you joy from knowing, that he is, from knowing that he is your friend. He's there for you. You know, have you ever seen the joy that a newly married couple has? You can tell sometimes when a couple is newly married, can't you? Just the way, the way, the way they relate to each other. There's a joy that comes in their relationship, and they don't care what they have or what they do. They just want to be together. And you can have that joy in your relationship with God. And then another one, one more, perspective. This one is so important. I can't tell you how many times in my life when I was struggling with difficulties, if I would take some time and spend it with God, reading the Bible, praying, being quiet before Him, that it renewed my spirit or gave me strength. I'm to the point where that's the first thing I want to do when difficulties come into my life because it changes me. It gives me perspective. Perspective on my problems, Sometimes not that he's going to change them, but that he's going to use them to change me or to grow me. Perspective that my problems are just temporary, that an eternity with God awaits me. Perspective that God is with me. Perspective that I often need to change my attitude. And if you start getting together with God regularly, you may find that you actually long for that. Just like you can't wait to meet a friend for lunch, or you know, text your best friend to share some news with them, or call your mom to have a shoulder to cry on. What's the biggest challenge to having this kind of relationship with God? Well, it's the same challenges you have with keeping your relationships here on earth close. Busyness, lack of intentionality or prioritization, unwillingness to be open and honest self-sufficiently see self-sufficiency you know i can do this on my own so how do you overcome these challenges how do you keep a relationship with god not only close but growing closer i want to share something with you that we're going to call training versus trying training versus trying i love fitness and it's actually a hobby of mine, and I find it replenishing. I enjoy the challenge of it, I like the results. But to keep me motivated, what I'll do is I'll train for an event, often triathlons, which triathlons are swimming, biking, and running. I also do some marathons, usually I do, which are just running. Usually I just do half marathons, those are 13.1 miles. I'm even thinking about trying an Ironman or at least a half Ironman this next year, and basically that's just a real long triathlon. Now there are two ways I could approach an upcoming event. Say a triathlon or let's even say a half Ironman this year. I can either try really hard or I can train. To try maybe I'll go out and do a little swimming or leisurely bike or maybe run a little bit beforehand. But basically what that means is I show up the day of the event and I try really hard. So In a half Ironman, you swim 1.2 miles, then you bike 56 miles, then you run 13.1 miles. How far am I going to get if I try really hard? I'm not even going to get through the 1.2 mile swim, am I? Either they're going to be pulling me out of the water, or I'm going to drown, one of the two. It doesn't matter how much effort I put into it on that day and how hard I try. If I haven't trained I'm sunk, no pun intended. Trying is great and well intentioned, but it doesn't bring results. In fact, trying often leads to frustration if it's not accompanied by training. However, here's how training works about six to eight months before a half man. I'll start a training plan. I'll set up a schedule for myself where I'll swim, I'll bike, and I'll run six days per week. I probably won't do all three on any given day, but more than likely I'll do two of the three on most days. And then as I get closer to the event and build to that event, I'll increase my training, I'll increase my mileage, I'll have some recovery weeks in there too, I'll pay attention to nutrition. And by sticking to a schedule and training, it's at that point, then I'm able to do it. Trying won't get me there. Training will. Now listen closely. The same is true with developing any relationship. To be closer, you have to take intentional steps. And it's especially true with growing spiritually. It doesn't just happen. We have to have a plan for it. And that is so true with your relationship with God. Trying to be close to God will result in frustration. Training will bring results. By training, here's what I mean. Set up a schedule to get with God consistently. Then plan what you're going to do. Do the things we've discussed today. And if you do, you'll reach your goal. A close relationship with Him. The amazing benefits that we've come to talk about in the relationship. Friendship, peace, joy, perspective, and purpose start today, okay, I dare you, 10 to 15 minutes each day where you read your Bible, where you pray, where you're quiet before Him, where you surrender to Him, and watch what happens. Now, if you're already doing this, here's what I encourage you to do. Take your next step there are several resources I've listed at the bottom of your message notes today that allow all of us to take our next steps. And if you're already doing some of this, some of those resources I listed are great in helping you move along in your relationship with God in, in your training. But if you're not doing anything, there are some resources there at the bottom and they're, they're listed that way that will be helpful to you as well. I want to leave you with a question. What is your next step? step and I encourage you to take it